Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. In this episode, Maida Herrick Carlson, author of Speak It Plain, focuses on blessings and liturgy. Her session was shared via Zoom at the January 14, 2021 event, Care for Church Leaders, Storytelling, Rituals, and Embodied Practices for Resilience. I am Meta, and I want to talk a little bit about blessings and liturgy. Um, Alan Davis had a book come out in the last year where she's talking about the blessings of Genesis and describing blessing as a thoroughfare for God's delight, just a highway of heaven's goodness, rushing and pumping and moving throughout creation. And so when we bless, we are not arriving at a destination or receiving an award. Um, it's not a, a stopping or a dead end for good behavior. We're announcing God's creative power in our midst and also on the move. I think that blessing, the way that we define it in, in um, popular culture, has really warped what... what um, what Ellen is talking about and, and what I hear in the blessings of Genesis and in God's blessings in scripture. Um, I've been writing blessings for as long as I've been a pastor because one of my beefs with the church is how many things we don't talk about in the liturgy, how many things we don't celebrate or grieve together. And so we think, it's not the church's business or God doesn't care. And so we don't need to care or it's not our business. Um, and so when asking, is this worthy of announcing or celebrating or naming aloud in worship? I'm one of those people who says, what isn't? What isn't? Because God is blessing the ordinary all the time. If God was only going to bless really fancy Sunday best stuff, then God would have made us a whole lot more fancy. Um, but right away in Genesis 1, we hear um, that it is good, that we are enough. Um, and so I love one of the things I love about pastoral ministry um, is that I get to be a generalist. Um, I'm pretty decent at a bunch of things, but I'm not an expert at anything. <laughs> <laughs> and a big part of my job is then networking and connecting people who want to go deeper, um, who do need an expert, who, um, who do need um, more information or specific care um, in a particular way. And I'm also just a very nosy person. So I love being invited into people's real lives and getting to participate um, alongside of them in announcing and naming and celebrating and grieving what is joyful, what is enraging, what is sor sorrowful. And um, for those of you who love and serve and care with other people, you know that the real conversations you have with folks and the ways that you um, bless them with prayer and dialogue and pastoral care um, covers all kinds of stuff all kinds of stuff that our liturgy tends to forget. So um, I had two books come out this year and um, 
the first one, they started as one book and then a smart editor was like, you know, you could pull these apart for two different audiences, like normal people, not just churchy people, she said normal people <laughs> um, would read a lot of these and would resonate with some spiritual language and having their ordinary announced as good enough and beloved and important to the whole. And so Ordinary Blessings came out in February. And because we've already talked about space a little bit, and because space is the first tiny thing in Heidi and Ellie's book, I want to read one um, on page 26 in Ordinary Blessings called um, For Space. And so anytime I say I need just enough air, I want you to take a deep inhale and then exhale during the rest of the stanza. Sometimes I need just enough air between me and the world so I can return to myself. It gets noisy or rote, so I need just enough air to sing to the silence that missed me. When the words swirl, I need just enough air to find my own pace and permission to ponder. There is an urgency to keep up, so I need just enough air to feel that stillness is holy and answers are not everything. I wrote that one back in 2018 and I didn't expect um, to share it with the world right before our experience of space changed so much in 2020. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about space since we've been on this call together. I'm wondering if you could use the chat um, to share a way you're, you're experiencing space differently because of COVID time. Um, what is it like to work from home or to not have work because of this virus? And that means that your space has changed. Um, what is it like to not travel as often when you get out of out of your space and you have these routines of vacation or adventure um, share something about how it is different to experience space more than 10 months into this pandemic ellie if you would read some of these here they come time has opened up confining I've started working from my partner's home and our relationship is so much stronger. Loss of visiting with shut-ins. No normal markers from one day to the next. There's just less alone space. Working, schooling, and mothering from home is a lot. Yes. <laughs> Smaller, more confined. During this time, I got married and moved, so I've been settling into a new space with a new person and knowing, hoping that it will change again when we aren't both working from home. Um, always with my chaplain wife, no commuting. I feel so pressured to be more creative in planning worship. Cluttered, jumbled, boundaries undefined. Space mm -hmm. in my life during COVID is different when I am at home more and more. I have enjoyed the little talks with my roommate as well as the escapes of my cozy little bedroom. Not enough space between us is scary. Missing human contact with parishioners. 
less space, have to work 24 seven. Walking outside has become so opening, more distant between every, more distance between everything, everyone I serve. COVID kept me from visiting my mother who was sick with COVID. She lives in another state. Loss of introvert time. Some spaces have been confining and some spaces have been opening. Just one word, zoomed. <laughs> I have, right. right? Oh my gosh. I've tried to walk the same few blocks around the house and have become much more aware of the life that is present here. Mm-hmm. Grieving the loss of travel and visiting with people. Internship with no way of meeting the congregation. Yeah, for people who have experienced a major transition and meeting people or saying goodbye to people during this time, that must be really discombobulating. And for those of you who are sharing your personal space in a new way, especially with kids who are distance learning, I have three kids moving around distance learning in this house right now. And I like to say that trying to maintain the space or or keep some semblance of order here feels like eating an Oreo cookie while I'm brushing my teeth. It's just lost on me. I'm, it's a mess. Erin started a new call during this time, which is odd, right? Um, loss of extrovert time. Yeah. yeah, I hear those patterns about some spaces are feeling really small and confining and some places um, are, are opening up. I'm glad that people talked about being outside in a different way. And I'm with you for all of the ways that it means we're not, we're not seeing the people we serve. Um, I want to recognize, I want to acknowledge how we know that we're supposed to still be producing or earning our keep during this time and our output, what we can actually show for all of our professional labor is so small, just the tip of the iceberg, um, compared to everything under the surface when, when, when state regulations meant that we had to scrap plan A or, Um, oh, we're not able to do this piece safely. So plan B is going to have to shift to plan B. There's so much more pre-work and behind the scenes communication, um, just pulling the levers that we're used to pulling in our work um, is more exhausting and um, time consuming than it used to be. And if you are showing up here today feeling like, "Am am I enough? Am I doing enough? Are are people able to see um, something for how stressed and weary and tired I am? Know that you are in really good company. Um, Not only in parish ministry, but I think in a lot of um, in a lot of vocational environment environments. Thanks for sharing those. Um, So, Ordinary Blessings is a book that is um, really. I hope people use it instead of reading it. I hope it feels like a tool where people can keep it nearby and they can pick it up and think, I have a friend going through this hard thing and I want them to know that it matters. I want to, I want to give them something um, or, or speak something to them that shows that they're not alone. And this is not an isolated um, experience and something isn't wrong with them for needing this named and acknowledged and and carried with other people. So um, there's everything from shopping in a superstore to um, 
walking around in bare feet outside in the summer, for deciding if you're going to go to a wedding, for looking at yourself in the mirror for the first day of a new job. Um, and the invitation of the book is, I hope you'll help me bless the ordinary. I hope that you will help me think of ways that we can name um, what we take for granted if we don't speak it out loud and, and, and slow down enough to share it together. Um, so all the churchy stuff that got pulled out of ordinary blessings became speak it plain. Uh, the first half of that book uh, is more blessings, like in, like in ordinary blessings. And then there are um, litanies and order of worship. So if you have a family that is doing a graveside burial and you can't be there because of COVID or it's in another state and they're not gonna have a, a pastor there to say the things, there's an order for a graveside burial in there with really accessible language. Um, for those of you who are ordained and regularly have people in your life getting ordained online and then asking for your help to plan the entire ceremony, <laughs> you can say, it's in this book, check it out. <laughs> I have one for you. Um, a theme of Speak It Plain is consent and boundaries. Um, I fear that our, our silence and inaction when it comes to um, discussing misconduct has given all kinds of power to what is unspoken in the church. And like so many things like white supremacy and racism and homophobia and transphobia, we don't get to be silent um, about harm that is caused um, by poor boundaries. We have a lot of repair work to do in the church um, for the sake of healthy relationships so that people grow up and apply what they learned about healthy boundaries and consent and healthy relationships um, to their daily lives um, out in the world. We have the opportunity to make that a ministry. So, um, I think when liturgy is doing its job, it's a really active ministry of word and space that gets shared by the people. Together, we're holding space for what is hard and true, what deserves our attention, what matters to God's liberating work in the world. So I have another blessing from Speak It Plain to share with you. This one is called Consent Culture. When Jesus notices and heals people, it begins with observation, compassion, a coming alongside with deep peace that knows who they are and what they need. May the church become a place where people receive holy attention. Blessed are you who need space, who desire patience and communication, who wish to build consent and trust. And blessed are you who are comfortable, who assume you are familiar enough, but are learning what others need to feel safe. There is no right way to greet or come together, but the good ideas begin like Jesus, who watches with deep care and then changes his own location and gate to stand beside those who need both freedom and company. So on the handout um, that 
you receive as part of this class, I have some questions I invite you to ask about your space and about words before we gather together in one place as communities again on the other side of COVID. Um, for the sake of consent and um, healthy boundaries for all people. Um, we all have those huggers and close talkers, bless their hearts. Um, we all have those people who like to chase down a visitor in the parking lot because they didn't sign the welcome book. Um, we all have um, folks who don't want to go to coffee hour because they don't want to have the same conversation about how they're not a coffee drinker and how that's not normal. <laughs> so I invite you um, today um, to think about one non-essential norm in your congregation um, that needs to be decentered in your church culture. Um, and who could you be talking to about modeling that leadership um, even before we come back together? So one for me is um, when little kids come up for communion and whoever's serving communion puts their hands or touches a small child, we're not doing that with consent. Um, we're much bigger than they are. They might even be hiding behind a safe adult's leg and feeling shy. Um, and so getting down at their level and assuming a mutual interaction, whether it's a high five or just a little bit of language, um, but respecting their bodily autonomy so that they trust um, when I go to church, um, I, I'm safe and, and what I need matters. What a, what a basic important start for a young pe person in their relationship with the church. Um, so I have some questions in this handout that Ben just mentioned about um, how we think about space and how we choose words for coming back together so that um, norms that are not essential um, can lose their power and we can normalize options instead so that there are a lot of right ways to say hello to a greeter. It doesn't just have to be shaking hands. Um, those are just a few to give you an idea. And I hope Speak It Plain is a gift um, to those conversations on church staffs and for um, church leaders. Mm -hmm.